Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's topic is very, very tricky because it is one that I got to tell you, for most people... here's how it works. Most people know what this is, but the problem is, is most people do not think that they have a problem with this. This is, this is, this is very hard because the first couple topics we've been talking about being rescued and we kind of used, we did a first responder appreciation. And so we honored them and we said, Hey, God wants to rescue us from some things too. And so we talked about how that God wants to rescue us from fear. And how that God wants to rescue us from guilt. And how that God wants, last week we talked about anger. And we said sometimes people struggle seeing themselves with those things. But most of the time, if you're a very angry person, you kind of know it, right? And if you're a guilty person, you kind of know it. A greedy person, not so much. There's always reasons for it. And most greedy people think of other people, but not themselves. And i got to tell you, what I see in this here. And this may be one of the most important topics we ever cover that would be so easy to miss. Because a majority, if I were to be honest, I think 90% of us, in fact, I would go further to say 99% of us struggle with this. And that's a hard statement to say because people are going, what, what, what did you just say? Did you say we're all greedy people? But I think as you see it unfold, I think you're going to realize, you know what? Yeah. I think that may be the driver in my life. And what's causing me to have a blockage, this is not about guilt, it's about saying, hey, being rescued from this so that you can live a life that God has for you. But if you have this, it's just like having a heart attack when you have a blockage. If that blockage is there, there's nothing anybody can do to help your heart. And today, we got to take a look at what, what God has for this. Okay, so a description of a guilty person. i got some pictures that I'll put up, and these may not be yours, but these are some things I think about when I think of greed, maybe. Uh, some of these things I like, but, um, and one of them is because I'm in the pictures. So I don't know. My wife put that in there, so anyway. <laughs> um, she thinks of me as greedy. So, so here's a couple of things that we think of when we think of greed, um, some words that come to mind. Too much. You know how much is enough for a greedy person? Just a, just a little bit more, right? I could do it, but it's like they're reaching out for it, and they can't quite grasp it, and there's some franticness, and there's some focus, and there's even some things we admire about them because they're planning, and they're doing, and they're conniving, and they're crafty, and so there's some things that we actually admire, but then on the other hand, it's going, man, they're just greedy, and they're just consumed by this product, and what it reminds me the most of is somebody that's out at sea, and they go, hey, you know, they're, they're thirsting to death, and so they need water, or they'll die, and they go, but don't start drinking salt water. For anybody who's had survival training, you'll understand this. Because if you drink salt water for whatever reason, even though you can, you can eat salt and drink water, but if it's combined and, and it has that salination process to it, then um, hmm, you, you will die faster drinking salt water. And the problem with salt water is, is once you start drinking it, this is what I've read about it anyway, once you start drinking it, it's almost impossible to stop. And at some point, you lose the ability to make rational decisions, and it, and it spe- expedites the process. And it's like, the more you get of it, the more you want it, and it's like, it's this delusion to go, if I could just drink more, I'm going to feel better, but you don't. You just feel worse and worse until you die. And that's what greed is like, right? It's like, once you go there, it's like, I just need a little bit of it. You know, it's kind of like, 
Pringles. That's, anyway. <laughs> and five packages later, I'm going, I just need one, just one more, just one more, right? And chocolate, chocolate's really bad for me on that one. And so, so I think of it in those terms, you know, too much, um, overextended. It doesn't have to just be money. It can be your calendar too. You know, overdue, always doing too much, always overextended, too extreme. Think of it that way. Focused on just one area. Most of the time, think of greed this way. A greedy person doesn't have balance in their life. So, so if you're finding that I don't have balance, you might struggle with greed, and you're going, oh, I don't have that problem. I'm not a greedy person. I don't have problems with money, but it's not just about money. Um, here, here's one, too busy. I'm always too busy. I, I've always got all these things going on. Why is that? Because it might be we're just greedy with our time. We just, you know, we're trying to accomplish too much. Stay too long. Messages that last too long. No, not messages. Okay. Don't, don't go there. Don't say amen to that. Um, and the last one is a picture of me, and I don't know why, but anyway, supersize me, right? Supersize. McDonald's had the greatest idea when they did that, and most people would do it, and they said, you know what we found? In fact, they told employees, if you don't say it, they'll dock their pay. Because if they ask a majority of people, if they say, do you want us to supersize it? Just the inception of it, it focuses on the person's greed, and they go, yeah, go ahead and supersize right? You don't need it, right? I mean, I'm looking at this pizza. This was from last Sunday, by the way. It was my birthday, and so we went out and celebrated, and Frenchie actually bought this, so it's his fault. That's how you blame other people for your greed. See, I don't have a problem. Frenchie does. And, uh, and so that's 27-inch pizza with extra cheese and pepper. You don't need I mean, it's just crazy, right? And, 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 and I'm so greedy that I was like, when, at the end of it, I'm like, hey, that's mine. I'm taking that home. You know what I mean? Whatever's left, that's mine. And so we kind of fought over it. And uh, that's greed. And that might be what you think of when you think of greed. What you might not think of when you think of greed is this. How slight it can be. That it can drive your life and you don't even know it. And you can look back on your life. And this is why this one is so subtle Yet it could ruin your entire life. That's why this may be one of the most important messages that I preach. Because more people struggle with this, but less people even know it. And you won't know it till you get to the end. And this is one of those, when you turn back, Satan's looking at you going, I got you. And I don't want it to get you. And so pay attention today, because I believe God has given us a plan to be rescued from this thing called greed. So here we go, Luke Chapter 12, if you want to turn with me. We'll put the verse up on the screen. If you don't have a thing, something to take notes with, please get one. We have outlines, and it's a fairly long passage, and I put the whole thing there so that you can go back and read it later because i got a feeling after this, you may have to kind of process through. Hey, wait a minute, do I struggle with this? And really open yourself up to it. So, so here's what it says. Luke chapter 12, and we'll start with verse 13. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, this is talking about Jesus, So Jesus had a crowd, and he's preaching. And someone said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So you understand, how many people, don't raise your hand. (laughs) That would be funny to do, but I'm not going to do it. How many people have had problems in their family of people fighting over money or fighting over inheritance? Or you find very quickly, the closest people to me, as soon as money's involved, it turns into something really nasty. You ever had that happen? And it's like, man, what's going on? And so this is what's happening here. And he's going, you know, I've had this injustice. And Jesus, you need to tell my brother that he needs to share that. That this isn't right. There's an injustice. I'm being victimized. And Jesus answers him. And it's very interesting how he answers him. And I don't think it's necessarily the way this guy wanted. And I think some of us may relate to this guy. And when we think of it, anyway, okay, so verse 14, it says this. Jesus replied, Man, 
Who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Hmm. This is interesting. So, so the guy's like, well, I just asked you the question, and that means that I respect you. And I think what Jesus is doing is he's prepping this guy for the answer. Because what he's saying is he's going, I'm probably going to give you an answer that you don't want. So what I want you to do is I want you to acknowledge you're asking me. You want my advice. It's probably not what you think. And what the problem is here isn't what you think the problem is. And so he's, he's, it's kind of a rhetorical question. Are you, you asking me to arbitrate? Really? Because what I'm about to say is probably not what you want to hear, but it's, it's going to get right to the heart of the matter. So, so Jesus is about to tell him that, so brace yourself. Verse 15, then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. You want to circle that? You see what he's seeing the problem is in this family? And it's not just this guy, because maybe the guy wasn't done right, but he's going, you know what the problem is here? Greed. And I have a feeling at that point the guy went, Huh? No, no, the problem is my brother's greed. No, no, no. The problem in your whole family is greed on both ends. And that's what Jesus is saying. And the guy's like, huh? Me? And he, and he goes on to say, he's like, that's not the struggle I have. I'm looking for justice, Jesus. And he's going, no, no, the problem is greed. And, and let me explain it to you. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You want to you circle that word greed and underline Life does not consist. What does life not consist of? And Jesus is about to explain this because he's going, what your problem is is not necessarily what you think. Have you ever had that where somebody gave you advice and you're like, you're, you're misreading this whole thing. That's what this guy's saying. Can I, can I tell you what the problem's going to be for this whole message? And it is for myself as well, and it's really been hard to come to terms with this, is that what Jesus is going to say, by the time he's done, you're going to go, that's not true. That's not me. That's not... Just be ready for that. Okay. So Jesus is going to explain. And so Jesus does what a great communicator does. And I've learned so many lessons about communication from Jesus. And it's this. He knows that if you want to teach a principle, it's much easier to talk about somebody else than yourself. So what he could have done was he could have just went straight to this guy and said, you have a problem with greed. Let me explain what your problem is. But that's not what he does. Because he knows all that's going to do is shut you down, right? So what he does is he goes, let's talk about somebody else, because it'll be much easier for you to understand. So he tells a story, and here's the story, verse 16. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. If you want to underline something, underline abundant harvest. And I want to pause there only because there is, and I don't know if you come from this background, because I have a feeling when I was on Thursday, people were just kind of looking at me going, I don't have that problem. Okay. But I do, and, I, and maybe it was just the way I was raised, but, but, but there are some people that believe that having an abundance is a sin. I, I don't know if that makes sense. That being rich is a sin. This isn't the sin. This guy being successful was not a sin, okay? Um, and some, some places teach that you need to be guilty just because you've been successful. That's not true. God wants you to be successful. God wants you to plan and pray, prayer. And this guy was being blessed, and that's a good thing. So, so what I want you to do is look at the person next to you and say, it's okay to be wealthy, okay? Did you say that to somebody? It's okay to be wealthy. It really is. And it's okay to bring wealthy people to church. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Okay, good enough. All right, gotcha. Man, y'all really took on to that one. All right, so verse 17. I got to control. This crowd's crazy. All right, verse 17. He thought to himself... 
what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Okay? So he has an abundance, and now he's looking and he's going, I don't have enough room to store all this. Well, that's a great problem to have, right? I mean, wouldn't you love that in your business? I don't have enough bank. I need a bigger bank, right? I need bigger barns. I got more cars, you know, if you're running a diesel mechanic shop. <laughs> I got more cars than I know to do with, right? That's a great problem to have. And what he's doing here is he's thinking and planning. Can you look at the next person next to you and say, it's okay to plan, okay? It's okay to, okay to plan. Sorry to plan. That's a good thing. And because I got a feeling this story has been mistold many times because people say it's not okay to have an abundance, and it's not okay to plan. That's not true. Okay? Verse 18. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Now, this is where people think the sin is. It's not. He came up with a plan to increase what he had. And this next part's not a sin either. And there I will store my surplus grain. Now, a lot of people have taught, and I've done it myself, because somehow, I don't know where I thought this, but it's like, oh, he's got surplus. Bad. No? Can you look at the person next to you and say, it's not bad to have surplus? (laughs) In fact, if you listen to Dave Ramsey, he changed my whole world on that one to say, if you're not planning, if you're not successful, if you're not prosperous, if if you don't have a surplus, you know where most of the world is fed? You know who most of the people that can give money is? People that have surplus. There is nothing wrong so far in the story. In fact, this guy has been blessed. This is great. There's nothing wrong with this guy so far. So please don't misread the story. Here's where the problem comes in, verse 19. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. That's not the problem either. (laughs) That's planning. That means, hey, you've got a lot laid up for many years. That's a good thing because now what will you do? And this is where the problem comes in. This is where we start to see what this guy's problem is. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, This is so slight that you could almost miss it. And you've probably heard the story, so we're very quick to move on to the next part. But before you do, I want you to understand, I think a lot of us may have this same problem. Because here's what this guy's dream is, and you can tell me if this is your dream, is I have been successful. I have climbed the ladder of success, and he really did. And he was very efficient, and he was very productive, and he planned. And just like our graduates, he did a great job, and now he's done, and, he, and he's made it, and he's a successful businessman. And so his goal is to say, hey, I don't want to just you know, spend all my time working. I want to be able to enjoy this. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Nothing wrong with enjoying life. But the next part is this. My goal in life is for me to save up enough so that at the end I can just enjoy the rest of my life. That's the dream, isn't it? What's the problem with that? It doesn't last. And if that's your goal, then the next part of this will rock your world upside down. I can't tell you the amount of people that say, you know, that have retired, and I know some wealthy people that have retired, and I've been out there and have seen what they've built, and they go, you know what, I hope my health holds up. Can I, can, I, can I just bring, I don't, I'm not trying to burst the bubble too hard. It won't. I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm just stating the obvious. The death rate on the planet is one per person, and we will all make it, okay? If you need to write that down, you can, okay? This is good planning purposes. Because if you think the goal is, and this is how slight that greed can take over your life, I hope my health holds up. It won't. And if that's what you have your stock in, your world is going to be turned upside down and you're going to go, I'm disillusioned. I don't understand what this world is all about. In fact, that's what happened to this guy. Look what happens next. 
Verse 20, after he says this, this is my plan. doesn't sound like a bad plan. In fact, it sounds like most people's plans that I hear. Verse 20, but God said to him, good job. No, he didn't. You were successful. He was. He says, you fool. You fool. Now, when God calls you a fool, that's kind of, that's kind of harsh. You mean my life was foolish? Yeah. Why? Because this very night, your life will be demanded of you. You're going to lose your life tonight. You didn't know that. Because you got all these plans, and you're going to lose your life. And then, here's the real question. Maybe you need to underline this one. Then who will have what you have prepared for yourself? You see, the problem with this guy is you've prepared all this for you. Well, I'm leaving it to my kids. I know, and they're not even equipped. You want to know why? Because you spent all your time preparing for you. You didn't prepare them for their wealth. You didn't prepare them for your wealth to get your wealth. And by the way, your wealth won't last either. (laughs) That's ugly, isn't it? That's where we want to go. I mean, you know what the problem is? You climb the ladder of success. This is what this guy did. And you get to the end of the life. You get to the end where you've done all this hard work. This is where the real kicker is. This guy wasn't lazy. He did the hard work. He deserved to have this. You ever heard anybody say this? You deserve to have that because you worked hard all your life. And Jesus is about to teach a principle that goes, if that's what you're working for, you fool. And Satan is standing there to go, you have done a great job getting up that ladder of success only to find out it's on the wrong wall. (laughs) It's on the wrong wall. You're hoping your health will hold up. It won't. You're thinking that circumstances of life won't kick you in the teeth. You're thinking that your money will be worth as much tomorrow as it is today, and it's not, right? Your 401k looks like a 201K, right? Or 101K, right? Or half a K or whatever. And you're going, what is going on? I did the right thing and it it doesn't work. And he's going, if that's where you're at, you're foolish. And Satan's going to look at you and laugh and go, I have done my best work in you because you gave your life to that. Now, what do you have to show for it? Nothing. And greed will do its greatest work on you. Maybe you didn't see it that way, but it's the way it is. And Jesus is teaching it. Verse 21 says this, This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. If you are investing in this at the expense of your wealth towards God, nothing wrong. And let me, there's a reason why I said all those things in the beginning to tell somebody. Because you could very easily misunderstand what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with having a surplus. There's nothing wrong with enjoying your wealth. But if it's your driver, you're not rich towards God. He's going, you're a fool. That's not me. That's God. That's really hard. I wouldn't say that, okay? I know better, okay? I, mean, I wouldn't say that because it's pointing right back at me. But he's saying, hey, pay attention because if you're not careful, you'll get to the end and God works so hard for something that's so worthless. Okay. Can I tell you that's a pastor's heart? I stand by more gravesides probably than anybody else here, maybe. Maybe not. And I get to hear stories because I do a lot of funerals for people I don't even know. And I've done some funerals from some very, very wealthy people. People that have pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps, some incredible stories. But you know what they don't talk about at their funeral? How much wealth they have. It's true. It's interesting how much we give our lives to things that don't matter and how much what matters in the end. And I have seen what makes people regret and what makes people happy. 
and what, what they give their life to that they, is worth talking about and what isn't, what legacies they are. And I've seen it on their deathbeds where they go, I wish I hadn't given my life to that. And other people that go, I'm so glad I gave my life to this. So pay attention. Pay attention to what Jesus is about to say because this could change your world. Verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples. Now, this next part is interesting because if you have a study Bible, it will do the same thing I would do. And so if, if I hadn't read the whole passage, then I would have stopped there. And you're going, man, this is a lot of passage. And the reason is, is because this seems to be a separate thought. And they're not exactly wrong. So we could have one message on greed, and the next one we could have on this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. You want to underline that? Do not worry. And we could think of this as a separate thought. Here's one message on greed, and here's one message on worry. But it is not a separate thought. Jesus is looking at them, and after he tells this guy, this is the problem. This is greed problem. Now he goes, then Jesus said to his disciples. You think that's a mistake? Are are you his disciple? Are you his follower? If you're not, that's great because you can pay attention. This is what it means to be his follower. You might want to be one after you hear this. If you are his follower, pay attention. Because what he's saying is, this whole lesson on greed, let me tell you what it's got to do with you. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. You want to underline that? And then he goes on to explain it. What you will eat or about your body or what you will wear. (laughs) And I think if you think about that long enough as I have, you will come to the same conclusion that I think the disciples were saying. They were going, huh? Jesus, that's all we worry about. (laughs) About our life? Yeah, we want to live, right? Anybody want to live? (laughs) Yeah, right? You ready to die? Nobody's, nobody's running, rushing to death. And we're going, no, I want a good life, and I want to eat. Now, we live in a society that has a lot of food, so sometimes it's hard for us to understand. You know, we're hungry right now, so you're thinking, hurry up, wrap this up. But, but we don't live in a society where we're seeing starvation kill people all the time, okay? And uh, if you've been through the third world country, maybe, maybe you've seen some of that, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable. People come back changed because they go, man, I can't believe it. And, and they live in a society where people starve to death, and they're going, what do you mean don't worry about food? You know we'll starve, and not only me, but my family, and you're telling me not to worry about food? Now, now please don't hear what I'm not saying. There's nothing wrong with preparing. You hear me? There's nothing wrong with storing up surplus. There's nothing wrong with being prepared for a disaster. That's not what Jesus is saying. There are so many examples in the Bible, and I've heard it taught so wrong, that goes, well, Christians just shouldn't prepare. That's not true. Do you know that in the book of Genesis, read it, one of the greatest stories in the Bible that we come back to over and over and over is the story of Joseph, that that's all his whole life consisted of was preparing for a coming disaster. So that's fine, but it's the reason why. And he says, do not worry about your life. Can I tell you what that means? Let me link these two together because this is going to be tough. This is the toughest one. It was tough for me. If you're worried, you got a problem with greed. Because that is what is at the heart of worry. If I'm worried, man, and I can see the look on some people's face, they're like, right? You give me that. Mm-mm, that's not true. You don't understand, John. If I can't pay my mortgage, right, what are you worried about? Can I tell you why you're worried? This is what Jesus is saying. Because your life isn't about those. And if you're worried, that's driving your life, not me. And he came to set you free, and he's about to do it. Okay. Do not worry about your life. Verse 23. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. You have a greater purpose than that. 
you have a greater purpose than this life because I got to tell you, if you don't have food, you die. So he's going, it goes beyond this life is what he's saying because they're going, we'll die. And he goes, yep, because your life is worth more than that and it has more purpose than that. It's making some people feel uncomfortable. It's okay. Verse 24, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, so you're okay. Verse 24, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no store, storerooms they have, or barns, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? He's using an example, and what he's not saying is this. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with preparing. There's nothing wrong with having surplus. But if that's where you put your stock, he's going, the birds don't even prepare and God takes care of them. Do you think you take care of you or do you think God does? There's so many circumstances you can't control. In fact, he goes on to say this, verse 25. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? (laughs) Interesting. Who can add a single second to your life? Nah. In another place, he says, who can add some height to yourself? Some of you want to try, right? And some of us are shrinking. The older we get, if you've done that, I'm like, I don't know if I'm six foot anymore. You know what I mean? I'm going to keep saying it, though. And, uh, you know, but, but it scares you, right? You're like, are you kidding me? Right? You can't even add that. And so what does he say? Verse 26. So you cannot do this very little thing. Why do you worry about the rest? You know what Jesus is saying? <laughs> You know what your delusion is? You thought you were in control of life. You don't even know when you'll die. So how do you know what you're preparing for? I haven't told you that. And you know what? God isn't going to tell you that. Now, could he give a prophetic word to somebody? Sure. But can I tell you something? Most of us, 99.9% of us, he don't tell us the day we're going to die. You know what he's saying? Do what you're supposed to do. And I'll let you know the rest as we go. I don't like that. I want to prepare. I want to plan. I want to know what my future is about. No, no, that's greed, and that's not what life is about. I have a bigger plan for you. Don't worry about that stuff. Consider, he goes on, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. (laughs) Solomon, just so you know, a lot of you might know, but some of you might not. Solomon was the richest, wisest king who ever lived. They overlaid everything in pure gold. And I thought about this passage, and, and you can take it many ways. You know what I think it means? That there's natural beauty in this world that comes up so fast, and it's so natural. And I've seen this when we went hiking, and I think that's one of the reasons why I really enjoyed hiking. Was you walk by, and all of a sudden there's just all these flowers out. And you're like, whoa, this is unbelievable. And if I hadn't been here, I wouldn't experience it. It's more beautiful than anything anybody's created. And you're like, you know what I think God is saying here? He's going, take the time to smell the flowers. That's what he's saying. And you, know, I think, you know why I think he's saying it? Because greedy people miss it. He's saying, you could be as rich as Solomon. Maybe this isn't how you're seeing it, but I think it's the way it is. You could be as rich as Solomon, yet you are missing the most important things in life. The most beautiful things in life are passing you by, and you're missing out on all the joy that I want for you in the moment because you're too busy fixated on your wealth. You ever had that happen? Let me tell you when it changes, and you can ask Butch. I'm hooking on Butch a lot today. Sorry, Butch. Might be the shirt. <laughs> Just kidding. We're like creamsicles, don't we? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my wife bought me this shirt and I'm just like okay done with it <laughs> what? 
what I think is this, is that a greedy person, here's the problem, here's the problem with a greedy person. They're fixated, a person that just about loses their life, and you can say if this is true or not. When your life flashes before your eyes, it's amazing what you notice in that moment. And I've had a couple of occurrences like that where all of a sudden, or, or when you've been around somebody that died, and you walk out the room, and it's like, when that's over, and you're like, I'm still alive, you look out and you're like, I never saw those flowers before, you know? I never saw those trees before, you know what I mean? <laughs> you remember getting glasses, I wear contact lenses, and one of the things I noticed is, the first thing I noticed was, you can see the leaves. Has anybody ever seen that? Is that, okay, it stinks. All right, so it's not just me, and now I can't see them anymore, so I'm wondering, you know, like maybe I need my prescription or whatever. And, um, and so you walk out and you're like, I see leaves. That is what it's like. The greedy person cannot see the leaves. And when your focus changes, he's going, hey, when you're not concerned about that stuff that you can't control anyway, all of a sudden, you actually see life for what it's supposed to be. <laughs> and if you're greedy, you're going to miss it. It will rob you of all your joy, <laughs> and you won't even know it. Verse 28, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? And now, now here's the part that's punctuated in this verse. You of little faith. You know what he's saying here? He's going, this is what happens in nature that's here today and gone tomorrow and you don't even notice it. God did. He notices you. He knows where you're at. He knows exactly your circumstances. But you that are filled with greed, you know what the problem is? Is we think that greed makes me, I want it and I'm striving for it. But the truth is, it's, 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 it's about fear. You know what the greedy person fears? You ever thought about that? I'm not going to get what I need. And because I'm holding on so much and I'm so fixated on what it is I need because I'm in a survival mode and I need to, I need to fixate on this, I can't enjoy life. I can't do these other things. And Jesus has just equated something. He's saying this. You can't, you can't be filled with greed and filled with faith. Not possible. You can't have faith and greed. Now, the next part is going to be even harder because I think greed is an easier word because you're going, well, that's not me. I don't have a problem with that. You can't be filled with worry. <laughs> you can't be filled with worry and have faith too. It's not possible. Faith and worry cannot walk together. Not, not possible. So if you're worried, you know what he's saying? This is really hard. It's hard for me. You don't have faith. You're worried about your possessions? You don't have faith. I didn't say that Jesus did. Don't get mad at me. He also called you a fool. <laughs> That's Jesus. Jesus, you need to learn how to communicate. I'm just saying, it's really hard to preach. <laughs> I love you. I don't want to. <laughs> no, but you know why he's saying it? Because he understands something. You know why he's saying it? He's not saying it to insult you. He's saying it. He's not saying it to throw guilt at you. He's saying it because he's saying, I don't want you to waste your life. I don't want you to not have joy because I got to tell you, the most miserable I've ever been is when I worry. And it may not add hours to my life, but it feels like it, all right? And you get very old very fast when you worry. And he's going, you're holding life like this, thinking you got control. You don't. You think you got control of your life. You're going to lose it. And those that lose their life will gain it. Maybe you never knew what that verse meant. That's what it means. He's going, you're going to lose it anyway. Give it to me. Don't worry. I've got this. Enjoy the part that you can. I've got the future. Get it? Don't worry. Because you can't have faith. And if you are worried, it will rob you. Don't be mad. Be glad. Because when you're free from that worry, it's going to change your life. Okay. 
Verse 29, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. And do not worry about it. Do not let your heart go there. Don't let that be the driving force in your life. You don't know that's what it means. The heart is the control center of your life. Butch, right? It's true, right? Everything stops right then. Now, I don't care how strong you are, Butch is a strong man. I don't care what you had planned for the day. If your heart's not working, you're done. And he's going, your heart will direct your life. Don't set your heart. Lead your heart But don't lead it there, because if that's what's controlling your life, you are going to be worried. You will not be able to function. Do not worry about it. Don't worry about those things. Nothing wrong with planning. Nothing wrong with being successful. Nothing wrong with having surplus. But if that is where your heart is, you got a problem. you got a blockage, and it ain't going to work well. Okay. For why? For the pagan world runs after such things. (laughs) The people that are not following Christ run after such things. And your father knows that you need them. That might be a little bit of an instruction on prayer. You see, Jesus hears prayers too. You see, it's a trinity, so he's always been. And I think what he's saying is he's going, could I instruct you on how to pray to God because I'm so sick of these prayers? (laughs) Sorry, I've already called you a fool, so what what harm could it do? (laughs) I want to instruct you on some of these prayers. Some people are coming to me going, God, I don't think you know my situation. And he's going, guys, I don't need your instruction. I don't need your words to even tell me what you need because in another place he says, I already know what you need before you do. In fact, I know the day you're going to die. (laughs) I've got it all planned. I already know everything about you and what's going to happen to you. Then why am I praying? Oh, this is great. For you and for me to have a relationship. You know what your kids need, but isn't it nice when they ask? (laughs) That's God. You have not because you ask not. You ask not without any faith. And he's going, I'm not going to give you that. It's going to hurt you because you don't even understand where it's coming from. Please, please, guys. Your father already knows what you need. You're going to have to square up with that. Because you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm in this bad situation. Yeah. (laughs) You put me here? Yep. You know where I'm at and you left me here? Yeah, this is hard. You'll have to square up with it just like I have. But the next part is the life-changing verse that I want you to see, verse 31. But seek his kingdom. Jesus is changing it. All that said, he's going, don't worry. Don't be about greed. But here is what life is all about. But seek his kingdom. I want to pause there because hmm, church people can get this one wrong. I know because I'm one and I've done this. Church people can get this part wrong. The kingdom of God. Well, let me tell you what it is. That'll just be easier than telling you what it's not. Jesus, when asked, what is the greatest commandment, Jesus? You've probably heard me say this before. But I think it's so important because we miss this one. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say this, and this is the part we miss a lot of times. We hear that and we go, yeah, 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 got it. But you don't hear this next part. Everything else hangs on these two, meaning you prioritize this. The relationship is the most important. God's kingdom is built relationally, and everything else falls under it. Don't ever forget how to treat people. Remember when he said that? Love one another as I have loved you. Remember that, because everything else falls under it. 
And God's kingdom can very easily become about other things, about a building, about a marketing plan, about a list of rules. And he's going, if that's what you think it is, then you don't understand my kingdom. That's my kingdom. And the mission of God and the mission of his kingdom is to build it and to add to it, which means we have the ability in our lifetime to reach people with the gospel of Christ and change them. That's his mission. So seek my kingdom. And guess what? All these other things will be given to you as well. Nothing wrong with planning. Nothing wrong with wealth. Nothing wrong with living in this life. Nothing wrong with having surplus. But make sure you get the first thing right, which is my kingdom. And if it's about that, then your life is in order. If it's not about that, it won't matter what other things you add to it because it'll be greed. And how much will be enough to fill you? It's never enough. Okay. Verse 32, he punctuates it. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased. You know why you're not afraid? Because there's not bad circumstances in this world. No, that's not true. Because if I believe in Jesus, my life is better. No, not a lot of times. If you read the accounts of the apostles, if you see how they died, you're going to go, that's probably not true. Because the government's going to make good decisions. No, right? Is that, is that where we're at? And I got to tell you, there's a lot of Christians going to church today and they're worried because they don't get this. Because they think it's about this life. And can I tell you, the church can be just as greedy, if not more, than everybody else. And Satan is doing his greatest job, not out there, but in here. With churches that are going, all the wind's out of my sail. <gasps> we got to be afraid because of what they did. You know what he's saying? Don't be afraid. Because why? Because your father has been pleased. Pay attention. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And when you get that, it will change everything. You will view the world as you've never viewed it before because all of a sudden you'll realize, oh, you're telling me it's not just about this life. Nothing wrong with this life. Nothing wrong with success. Nothing wrong with surplus. Nothing wrong with with planning. But let me tell you something. What's better than anything is God's kingdom because this life, trust me, it'll go away. No matter how long you live, it will end, and your wealth will end, and your money will start to become worth less and less and less. He's already said all that. Bad things will happen. In this world, you will have trouble. You want me to keep going? I can keep going. I can tell you all the things, because sometimes we don't believe it. We think it's utopia here, and when it rocks our world, let me tell you something. When when you grab what's important to somebody, and you rock on it, all of a sudden, you will find out very fast what is driving their life. And when it's God's kingdom, he's saying that will never end. In fact, here's what he says. He's, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. I'll come back to that. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that you will never fail and no thief can destroy it. And no government can print more money and make yours worth less. You get the idea? You don't have to be afraid because you'll build God's kingdom when you do this. And to break the back of greed, if you want to overcome greed, he's given you the solution right here, and it's so easy to miss. You want to know how you do it? Sell your possessions. What? Sell your possessions. That's right. The thing that has a hold on you, take it and get rid of it. (laughs) And give it to people that need it. By the way, when you do it, you'll build up treasures in heaven. Remember what he says in the end? Um... When, when the king of glory comes, he'll say, did you feed the hungry? Did you give to people in need? 
what? He's going to ask that? Yeah. And then you know what he said? He told the people that didn't, he said, you don't even know me? It's not that you earn the right, it's that you can't possibly understand God and go, he doesn't want us to give it away. He doesn't want us to help people. And if we're not helping people, we probably don't know him, is what he's saying. Remember, because at the end of that story, and you read it for yourself, Matthew 25, he says, he said, depart from me into utter darkness. I mean, they're being separated from God because they didn't know him because their life was about greed, not him. And a lot of them are disguised religiously. This is scary for most of us because he's saying, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And if you want to get rid of greed, you know what you do? You give. That's the solution to greed. Okay. The last verse is this one. It's a question. Verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You're like, where's the question then, John? That's a statement. It is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But the inferred question is this. Where's your treasure? Where is your treasure? That's what I want to ask you today. Because where that is, that's where your heart is. Now, you can say it any way you want, but Jesus said it plain. He's like, whatever that is, that thing you value most, that thing you're giving your whole life to, that's what's most important. And that will lead your heart. That will lead to control center of your life, and that will lead to a destiny. And he's saying, is it my kingdom or yours? Your kingdom will be tarnished. Your things will do that. So, so I'll give you a couple of examples, and you may have your own, so I don't want to fill in the blank here for you. But here's some of the things. I, here's how you can tell, first off. Two things you can look at. Your checkbook. Go home this afternoon. You want to know what you treasure? What are you spending your money on? And whatever that is, that's what you treasure. This is hard, isn't it? Well, I, tre- I really treasure this, but this is where all my money's going. Can I tell you something? Then that's actually what you treasure. You just haven't been honest about it. And can I tell you, greed can do its greatest work without you even knowing. That's a fact. You will think you're okay until the end and you go, oh, I can't believe I did that. But you got a chance to do something different today. So take a look at your checkbook. Where do you spend your money? I'm not telling you where. I don't, I don't want to see it because I don't want you to see mine either because we got to make some correction. But today we can do something about it. You get it? So look at your checkbook. You know the other one? This is a big one. Look at your calendar. Now, I'm not talking about the one that you fill out and you go, this is what I want to do. <laughs> I'm talking about the real one, where you actually spend your time. Because where you spend your time and your money, which is only an, an expression of your time, that's where your heart is. That's nasty, isn't it? Here's a couple things to watch out for. Do your possessions got you? You worried about your possessions? Maybe, maybe you got some you can't afford. Maybe, maybe you're going to have to let go of some of that stuff. Oh, that's lifestyle. I want my kids to have stuff I didn't have. Yeah, and can I tell you, the driver behind it might be fear. I get it. I don't want to do without that. I can't give up this. I've got to hold on to that. I've got to spend my whole life paying for something. Get the idea? I understand. I've been, I've been there done that. Dave Ramsey helped me understand some of that. If you just got rid of it, you'd probably get more of this stuff. That's what, that's what God's kingdom's all about because he says what? If you release it, guess what? I'll add all these things to you anyway. But eventually, you know what you find out? I don't even need those things anymore. Okay. What's another one? Um, this is going to be a hard one. So I just want to look at it. Too busy 
wanting wanting the accolades at your job. Where, where your life starts to focus in on one thing, and you're going, I can be successful here at the expense of everything else, and you might not even see it happening. And eventually you go, I'm never with my kids, because I have to work all the time. You get it? Can I tell you, it can be the opposite too? And this one's so subtle that people don't see it. It could be that your kids take that. I had bad parents. They never spent any time with me. And now my kids are the most important thing in my life. And believe me when I tell you, we're honoring our graduates today. We love our kids. And I think a lot of people need to spend more time with their kids. I get it. But sometimes when the kids consume it all and we go, you know how I'm going to bless them is to take them from one activity to the next, to the next, to the next. And it consumes my entire life because I'm trying to make up for what I lacked. You know what that is? You know what we're turning them into? You know what we're giving them is greed is the answer to what is lacking in your life. And we never see those people, you know, you never see them in church. They're always, you get it? Because the kids are more important than anything else. That's too extreme. When you got extreme and imbalance, too much time at work, too much time with your kids. You get it? This next one's going to be hard. Because it hits the most home for me. You can do that with church. Oh, let me say it again. Maybe you didn't hear me. You can do that with church. Mm-hmm. I'm a pastor, so I get it. I'm the son of a pastor, so I definitely get it. My dad was a great man, but I, but I got to see a lot of things in my life. You know what I saw? Some people make up for their lack of whatever by trying to fill it. And he liked this idea of going from the bottle to Jesus, and now they're extreme about one or the other, and they're addicted to Jesus. I hate that term because it's so wrong. Jesus didn't come to make you addicted. He came to set you free. And when you substitute it and go, now church is going to be my new thing. And as long as I'm there, so I'm there every time the door's open to the extreme that I, that I don't have any more life. So I don't spend any time with my kids. I don't show up at any ball games. I don't do anything but church, church, church. Can I tell you what's going to happen? Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get to the end of your life and climb the ladder of success and think, I did all these great things. And you're going to look back and Satan's going to go, I got you. I got you with good things because you were so extreme because it wasn't about God. It was about greed. It was about you fixing something inside that you can't fix for this fear. And Jesus is going, you missed how to have a good time. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are so miserable. You ever met them? Don't look at them. (laughs) Right? They're so miserable. Why? Because they got a problem with greed and they don't even know it. And Satan is doing his greatest work in killing us. Can I tell you, it's the same as, as a leader of the church or a church plant where you go, you just want more people. And at first glance, you go, that's great. But the problem is, and there's nothing wrong. Can I tell you, nothing wrong with success. Nothing wrong with big churches. Tell somebody, God loves big churches. <laughs> you know what the problem is, though? When a crowd replaces the name. Hmm? When, when numbers are more important than names, then we have missed the mark and we are not even about God's mission anymore. And Satan is looking at the church going, gotcha. <laughs> How many of those will be in heaven? Because you didn't even care about them. You don't even know them. God forbid that we become that. And Satan will do his greatest work. Yeah, okay. Here's the solution. Very simple. The solution to breaking the back of greed is this. Give. You know the first place it starts? Giving it to God. <laughs> Every addict in the world, you know, I think there's, there's, an addict understands greed because their whole life focuses on whatever that addiction is. It's amazing. And you know what the first step is for them? 
surrender. <laughs> you want to be free today? It's not to throw more guilt at you. I've got to go home and plan more. No, you don't. I've got to figure this out. No, you don't. You know what you've got to do? Give. Give it up. Give it to God. Let it go. Let that stuff go to God today. I'm scared about my mortgage. Let that go to God. God, you can have this house. You'd be amazed what God can do. God, I'm so scared. I know you're scared. Come, come here. I got you. Get it? Amazing. I'm so afraid. I'm going to miss it. I'm so afraid of all these things. And it's making me so imbalanced in these areas. And abuse from the past is coming into the day and it's robbing me of my life. What do I do? There's a God that loves you. There's a God that wants to deliver you. You get it? And the way it starts is you give it to God. You got a problem in your finances of hoarding money, then you know what God is calling you to do? Give some money. You don't have to do it here. (laughs) Right? We don't even know how much you give, so we wouldn't know if you gave it here. You got a big problem with that? Write some big checks. It'll break the back of that. It may be amazed what God will do. And it'll be the most freeing thing. You know, the people that hold on to all that stuff are the most miserable people I've ever met. You know how I know? Because I did it. People let go of it, most, most happy people on the planet. They die with a legacy left behind. And they go, you know what, mom and daddy never had much money, but you know what, they never didn't give to somebody. They always helped somebody. They're the happiest people I've ever met. And the people that hold on to it to the bitter end, not happy at all. Miserable. It's a poison. It's salt water. You get it? Give it. You, you got a problem giving recognition? Write some big thank you notes. And when you give, here's what I want to ask you to do. This is the toughest part. This is so hard. Give it anonymously. (laughs) Don't put your plaque on it. Don't put your plaque on the pew. Get it? Just give it. Don't tell anybody. And that will will get out all the bad motives. Because can I tell you something? You know what else Satan does? You could give money and it'd be about greed. It could be about the recognition. And the person that Jesus recognized the most, no one ever knew she gave it because she gave such a small amount, the lady that gave two pennies. And he said, you will be celebrated more than everybody else because she gave everything she had. And nobody knew it. There's an example for you. Break the back of greed because here's what will happen. If God, God can rescue you from greed. And when you give it to him, let me tell you what you get in return. You don't get all that worry anymore. You know what you get? Faith. You know what you get? Joy. You want that? That's what he wants for you. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had together. Lord, no message has ever convicted me more. I'd like to keep that to myself. But, but Lord, you know. You know. Lord, when you start looking at motives and we realize it's not just what you're doing, but why we're doing it, Lord, greed is at the bottom of so many things that we do. And today we just want to be honest, Lord. We want to be free. I pray for the one that doesn't even know you that goes, you know what, I need that so bad. I pray they call out into you in your own words and receive you as their Savior. I pray for the one, Lord, that's the follower of you going, you know what, I think I'm struggling with that, or I know I have a problem with worry, but I don't really believe this, and I pray they can wrestle through that so they can give it to you so that on the other side is joy, and they'll see the flowers again, Lord. They'll see your joy again, Lord. And what we'll see more than anything is your kingdom. And we get to be part of it. And we get to be part of building it. One person at a time. God, could I ask something, Lord? Could I ask you to make us that kind of church? And we'll be ever grateful to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, if you need prayer today, we'll be here after the service. For um, everybody else, God bless you. Have a great week.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.